Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. How many of you guys have ever played with a Mr. Potato Head? Anybody ever play with a Mr. Isn't he cool? Mr. Potato Head. And Mrs. Potato Head has what? Really big red lips, right? For lipstick. Mr. Potato Head, the classic Hasbro toy brand, which includes the mustached Mr. Potato Head and the clean shaven Mrs. Potato Head. will soon be rebranded as the gender-neutral potato head toy line. The new branding will be reflected on packaging scheduled to debut later this year, the Associated Press reported on Thursday. Hasbro says it's Mr. Potato Head brand, which includes all kinds of toy tubers, is being changed simply to potato head in order to better reflect the full line. The brand stresses, however, that neither of the individual Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head toys will be renamed. While we're renaming the Mr. Potato Head brand to Potato Head to better reflect the full line, the iconic Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head characters aren't going anywhere and will remain Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, the brand wrote in a statement shared with Fox News. Kimberly Boyd, the senior vice president of global brands and managing and general manager at Hasbro told Fast Company that the rebranding reflects a more modern era. So why should you bring your children out to junior high and high school and to kids' life? Because of garbage like this. Culture has evolved, Boyd told the outlet. Kids want to be able to represent their own experiences. Who's telling the kids this? The way the brand currently exists with the Mr. and Mrs. is limiting when it comes to both gender identity and family structure. Boyd added that Hasbro hopes the rebanding will allow for kids to make little potato families however they see fit. To the end, the Potato Head toy line is also debuting a new product, the Create Your Own Potato Head Family, which includes enough potatoes and accessories for kids to create all types of families. So we were discussing this as adults, and there was a six-year-old present, and we were just kind of, you know, taking, talking it over. And somebody said, uh, you know, people nowadays don't know the difference between a boy and a girl. And they looked at the little guy and they said, do you know the difference? You know the difference, don't you? And he just looked up and said, of course. Girls use lipstick. <laughs> you see, children are innocent until adults bring their depraved minds and influence upon them. Children's rights activists blast judges' decision allowing gay thruple 
to be named as legal parent of two kids. A children's right activist decried a California judge's ruling allowing three men to be listed as the legal parents of two children born to surrogate mothers using their donor eggs as being the consequence of laws that sacrifice the well-being of children to benefit the desires of adults. There's the problem, not the kids. The homosexual male Thruple, it includes their names, the three-way relationship Hapton, they met after, when two of them met nine years ago, and they invited someone else to join the group eight years ago. The two children who belong to the trio of men are half-siblings. Last week, the three men who are now legal parents of two children, a three-year-old and a 14-month-old, appeared on the morning show in Australia to speak about this unusual arrangement and how they received a favorable result in court. We weren't sure that we could have any we weren't sure that we could have all three of us on the birth certificate so it became a court process. It was pretty interesting in quotes a tense courtroom scene where at first it seemed we were not going to be granted that and we asked to speak in court and plead our viewpoint and the judge ultimately changed her mind and granted us legal parentage for our children before our child before she was born. For all three men to be placed on the birth record serves legal purposes. In quotes again, if our child, God forbid. See, when somebody brings God into it, I got to respond. Because God forbids homosexuality. God loves the homosexual, so don't go down the road of hate. Don't, Don't even bother with that nonsense. For God so loved the world. But there's standards, and it's in the word of God. A family is one genetic male and one genetic female. You don't like it? Take it up with God. But that's God's design, period. And so this guy says, God forbid. Was to end up in the hospital, one of the parents might not be able to go and visit them. It was really important to be recognized as the family that we are, and thankfully we live in California. How many of you lived in California? Don't raise your hand. Because we may just love you to death. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And thankfully we live in California, which is a state that, from some teeth pulling and fighting, actually did then allow us to do that. So that was amazing. Guys, what can we do? I mean, what can we do? Well, first and foremost, pray. You definitely want to be in prayer. You want to be involved as much as possible. But the disciples didn't want Jesus to go to the cross. They did not, even the night before he died, they they didn't want him to go to the cross. They didn't get the big picture. And there's many Christians today that are not getting the big picture. Jesus is coming back for his bride, the church. He's not coming back for the world. He's coming back for his bride, the church. And we are to be ready, as we read this past week in our daily reading, at least from our reading schedule, we're to be ready in the first watch, the second watch, the third watch, the fourth watch. Anytime, day or night, we are to be ready for Jesus to come back. So what is our part? What can we do? For you and I, we can remain faithful to the word of God. Because our children are being bombarded with this confusion and they need somebody that's stable in their lives that will bring them back to the truth of the word and say, no, 
No, no. We do want to know what God's will is. And so we read our Bibles from Genesis to Revelation. And so for you and I, my exhortation to you is don't get discouraged, although it's easy to get discouraged. Don't get disheartened, although it's easy to get disheartened. Definitely don't get mad or, or, or get hateful because that's not scriptural. And we, would, we don't want to promote that at all because that's what we're being accused of. And no, we don't promote that at all. But be faithful. Be faithful. I encourage you to do a study in faithful this week. And you're going to find something very interesting as you look up that word faithful in your concordance. It's kind of interesting. In the Old Testament, it doesn't say a whole lot about God being faithful. When you look at that word and you look at the verses, faithful is correlated to people. So-and-so is faithful. So-and-so is faithful. So-and-so is faithful. Just kind of, I found that just kind of interesting. You go into the New Testament and we see something different. So I'm going to read some verses. I think we might have a slide. And you can take a picture of the verses. I'm just going to read them real quick. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. You can take a picture of it or write them down. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Be patient. They're getting the slide ready. It'll come up. 1 Corinthians 10, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man or mankind. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In 2 Thessalonians, we read this, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified, just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Jim, did I give you those verses or no? Was that my mistake? Oh, I didn't give them to you. Bummer. I thought I gave them to you. Okay, my fault. You know, if you look at the very bottom of my study, I think I have a study before the study. Different verses. Huh. Okay, my fault. So first verses were 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 4 through 9. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. Second verses were 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13. Next verses were 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 3. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 3. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Therefore, in all things he he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He is able. 
Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You and I, we are called to hold fast. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Revelation 1, 4 through 6. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And lastly, Revelation 19, 11 through 14. Revelation 19, 11 through 14. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He is clothed with the robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Father, we thank you and praise you that we know the rest of the story. And no matter what any person, male or female, tries to do, they are not going to stop your son from fulfilling all of the scriptures. They're not going to stop your church from fulfilling the scriptures. Father, we thank you and praise you that we have your Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Give us wisdom in this perverse generation to take a stand for righteousness' sake, to love people, to let them know that they are loved, but certain lifestyles, certain, all sin, including our sin, is unacceptable. We need to repent. We need to be right with you. So, Father, help us to uh, correctly bring that across to, to the unsaved. If there's someone in this room this morning that's not saved, that does not have Jesus as their Savior, open their spiritual eyes. Help them to see their need for a savior, that you are perfect and no one getting into heaven. If they are not perfect, if they are not sinless, they will never get into heaven. Open their eyes to that simple fact. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this time. I pray for the gift of teaching in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the word of God on a verse-by-verse Uh, study and so last week we got all the way through verse 2 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 it was introductory a lot of history Uh, today hopefully we're going to make it through verse 7 hopefully we'll see what happens so 1 Corinthians chapter 1 let's start in verse 1 Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Thosthenes our brother to the church of God which is at Corinth to those who are sanctified by Christ Jesus called saints 
with all who in every place call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. We took note last Sunday that Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth from Ephesus during his third missionary journey in the original mid-50s to a church that he helped establish that is in desperate need of biblical guidance due to their fleshly desires. Unfortunately, the church in America today is very unhealthy due to fleshly desires and is in desperate need of biblical guidance. And that's why we here go verse by verse through the word of God. So verse 2, I touched on it last week, but I'd like to expand on it some more this morning because we have a hard time with thinking, understanding, believing, trusting that we're saints. And guys, we are saints. We're ambassadors for Christ. The world is going the way that we're not, we shouldn't be surprised the way the world is going, but they need to see someone's different that are sanctified in verse 2. Who are sanctified, those words there, who are sanctified, it means to purify, to separate from profane and dedicated to God. Think about this with your own life. No one is perfect. When you die, you will then become perfect. You'll take your last fleshly breath, and you'll take your first breath in heaven. Until then, you and I have to submit and surrender to the Holy Spirit for the purifying of our souls, our mind. As you do a study of the mind, that's what controls us. As I mentioned last Sunday, the Christians at Corinth were sanctified. Remember that as we go through this. They were sanctified. They were set apart. They were purified. Not by their own works or actions. This is where religion is so dangerous. If you just pray enough, if you knock on doors, if you pass out pamphlets, if you do this, if you do that, oh, then God will love you. No, God already loves us, John 3, 16. It's not by works but it's by the finished work of Jesus. You see, they trusted in his acceptable sacrifice on the cross. These are Gentiles, guys. These aren't Hebrews. These aren't Jews. Now, there were Jews as well, but it was predominantly a Gentile church. And his triumph resurrection from the, and his triumphant resurrection from the grave. You see, there is no doubt that the early church knew this. That sainthood was all about Jesus and not about their works or fruit. Let's look at some scriptures. Hebrew, uh, Matthew chapter 11. Very quickly, got a lot of scriptures. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Matthew eleven two, And when John heard, had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Here's John, John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus, who saw the Spirit, whom the Holy Spirit had told John, when you see the Spirit descend on that man, he is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. And John and Jesus were cousins. And here John is in prison, and he's sending his disciples, what's up? If he's the Messiah, why am I in prison? If he's going to deliver us from Rome, what's what's he waiting for? I might get my head lopped off here. 
Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. You see, this is why Jesus came. The blind see and the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and those were all signs of the Messiah in the Old Testament. But the next part is the most important part. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. What is the gospel? Salvation. Salvation. No amount of sacrifices will get you into heaven. You need a savior. And blessed is he, and this is for you and me today, who is not offended because of me. You see, right now, as we just read about a senator, we're not concerned about the will of God. We're concerned about the will of people. That's pretty fickle. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2, 10 through 12. For it was fitting for Jesus, for whom all th- are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. Notice that Hebrews 2, 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, that would be every Bible-believing Christian, Okay, you're be, if you're allowing yourself to be sanctified, are all one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. Jesus did the sanctifying by going to the cross for all of our sins, past, present, and future, guys. The sins of the saints are cast as far as the east is from the west, as far as God is concerned. Never to be brought into remembrance ever, ever again. Acts 20, 28 says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also trusted in Jesus after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9-10. through 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own peculiar people. King James Version, his own peculiar people. Look around you. You guys look peculiar. New King James put in the correct word, his own special people. Even in our ways, we're special. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So when a person receives Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, they become sanctified, purified, set apart. In other words, that person becomes a saint. It's not something that we work out in our own lives and hope that after our death that someone will recommend us to sainthood. You see, as Christians, we are saints today. Know who you are in the kingdom of God because the enemy will try to twist your position, our position in Christ at every possible chance. 
The following are just a few verses that talk to the saints, those who are alive and part of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm pretty sure we got a slide on this one. Ah, there it is. I did it right that time. So take a picture of that. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. And the heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. Psalm 116, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not the author of confusion. Let me read that again. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Very important scriptures. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as is in all the churches of the saints. Ephesians 4, 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You see, that's one of the main roles of the pastorate is to equip you, to bring things to hear that you don't want to hear, that might make you feel uncomfortable, that might make you uneasy, that might irritate you, but yet it's true, it's happening, we can't shrug it off, we can't pretend it's not happening, it's happening. So what do we need to do? We need to continue to gather more and more and more so that we use our gifts, because every single one of you has a gift for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So judging ourselves to Christ, not to each other, always to Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men or mankind in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Does that sound like what's happening today with gender? There's 72 genders. No, there's two. That's it. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Church is essential. You are essential. If you're just visiting, you're looking for a church, pray, get plugged in. After a season, start to serve. You are essential. Read your Bible. According to the effect of working by which every part does its share. Notice that. You have a share of responsibility around here. Causes growth of the body or of the church for the edifying of itself in love. Let's look back to chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1. Just turn a few pages to your left. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, not love for dead people, love for people that are alive, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So again, are we going to battle this politically or are we going to stick with the word of God? Again, we should do our part politically, 
But if these things have to happen as Jesus said they will happen, you're going to be beating your head against the wall. So get into your Bible. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So we have to take the word of God, plant that seed, allow the Holy Spirit to plant it, to water it, to fertilize it, so a person that is confused about their gender can realize, no, wait a minute. In the beginning, God created the male and female. This is a lie from the pit of hell. Why am I receiving this? And then they go back to the word of God. Not to your fancy argument. Not to my fancy argument. No, just keep taking them back to the word of God. That, and the eyes, verse 18 again, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Notice that. And what is the exceeding greatness of his glory towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Back in Corinthians, here's the main point of sainthood. When you inherit something, you typically don't work for it, but rather it's a gift left behind It's a gift left behind from someone who has passed, who has graduated. It's a free gift to be received as a blessing, and it's the same with sainthood. The day you receive Jesus as your Savior, the free gift of salvation, the the Heavenly Father now looks at you as a saint. As we mentioned last Sunday, you might not act like one, but you are still a saint. So as we study this letter, remember the Christians at Corinth were not acting like saints. But God was willing to show them the truth so that they might take on the attributes of being a saint. Maybe you're new in the Lord and you're just thinking, oh, I, I'm never going to get rid of this. I'm never going to get out of this. I'm ne- I can't. You will. Be patient. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you strength to get over whatever you're desiring to get over, including same-sex attraction. It's not biblical. And the Holy Spirit will give you strength to get over that. Thoughts of suicide, depression, anxiety, uh, pornography, gambling, having sex outside of marriage. If you surrender your life to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give you strength. The Word of God promises this. Not me. The Word of God promises this. If you surrender. You see, a saint receives the greatest spiritual inheritance that is available to anyone Heavenly gifts. But how many of you, no show of hands, but how many of you have tapped into those spiritual gifts? You know, there's some churches under the banner of Christianity, under the banner of Christianity in America, there are some churches, Christian churches, if you speak in tongues, that's of the devil. You're not saved. That's of the devil. There are other churches that teach If you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. You don't have the Spirit in you. You don't speak in tongues. They haven't read the Bible. You just keep the Bible in context. Read the contents. It's a gift. God gives it. But does everybody have it? Read your scriptures. We don't have time to do a study on that, but you'll find out. Ephesians 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Past tense. You see, Paul is going to address many sinful issues that these Corinthian saints will need to deal with. And we will need to deal with them as well in order to have a healthy church that desires to serve the Lord in truth and sincerity. The world does not understand how to accept this principle, and so we shouldn't be surprised at that. 
at the, at that and as well as the coming persecution. 2 Corinthians 1.12 says, For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. You see, guys, that's how we need to go out into the world and conduct ourselves. We're part of the word of God. We're part of the church. We're a saint. 2 Corinthians 1.12. Verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Grace, and pe- grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul greets the various churches or individuals that he wrote to, he often greets his audience with this grace and then peace. Again, the Holy Spirit is showing us something here. Very important principle. A person cannot have peace if they don't understand grace. And grace is what? Unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor given to us by God. You will not have peace if you don't understand grace. In my understanding of the word, I see grace and forgiveness are inseparable. Ephesians 1, 7 says this, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. God's riches at Christ's expense, an acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. You see, when you were an unbeliever and heading to hell, you probably heard someone share with you that God had forgiven you of all your sins. You didn't understand that. And you might have even mocked that person. But the more you thought about it, the more you desired it, that total forgiveness that comes only from God. You might be sitting here this morning and right away, as soon as I said that, you go, you're right, I'm mocking you. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay. You see, once you received his forgiveness, you started to learn and comprehend his grace towards you. And as you grew in your understanding of God's grace in your life and the lives of others, you started to grow in your understanding of God's forgiveness. They go hand in hand. They're inseparable. Now as we grow in our understanding of God's forgiveness, we grow in our understanding of the peace of God. And we end up learning just how much God pours out his grace and forgiveness upon us. And this brings us to that place of having the peace of God. Do you have the peace of God today? If you don't, I mean, you could be saved and still not have the peace of God. It's because you're not going deeper with God. You're relying on the government. When are we getting our next check? When are we getting the vaccine? When, when are we, we should keep locking down. The government knows best. Who are you trusting in? You see, it's a personal relationship with God that brings these things all together. Religion will stress that you can have the peace of God if you just do this or that, as I mentioned earlier. The, per, the peace of religion offers nothing. It's a peace that is dependent upon the person, what the person can do for God, and not for what God has already done for that person. It's a false peace that the billions down the road of frustration in which they end up having to go to hell. No peace at all. No, it's all about God's grace through forgiveness so you might have peace. And it's simply this. I've shared this many times. We'll throw it up there again. No Jesus, no peace. If you don't have Jesus, you're not going to have peace. If you know Jesus, you will know peace. It's that simple. It's that simple. And if you don't have, and you're a Christian and you know Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you but you still don't have peace, you better start digging deeper. Because the word of God, according to the word of God, the word of God will bring peace. So don't blame God. Look at yourself and say, what could I be doing differently? Verses four through seven, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him. Notice that you were, past tense, by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so you come short in no gift, 
eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is something lacking in the church? Well, maybe you have the gift and we don't know that. And maybe you're the one that God wants to use so that slot can be filled to, to complete what God wants to do in our lives. But if you're not partaking, then the body suffers. Study your Bible. Well, in verse 5 specifically, we are enriched by whom and through what? By Jesus, guys. By Jesus and the grace given to us by him. Not by our great studying, although we should study. Not by our great works, although we should be asking the Lord what we could do for the kingdom. You see those words, you were enriched? It means to make wealthy figuratively, to enrich, use the spiritual riches to be richly furnished. Spiritual gifts are found and explained within the word of God. The word utterance has the same root word as John 1.1, the logos. The written word of God gives us the riches that no man can give to us. You see, the written word of God gives us peace that changes people's lives. The word of God shows us the grace that changes people's lives. The word of God shows us the love that changes people's lives. The word of God shows us the mercy that changes people's lives. The word of God shows us the comfort that changes people's lives. The word of God shows us the forgiveness that changes people's lives. The word of God shows mankind the desire that God has for them to have a personal relationship with him. And it is that desire that changes people's lives. How we need to be enriched in these last days, not monetarily, not emotionally, but spiritually. How the world as well as many within the church are seeking after happiness, but it doesn't come through having more money, more time, more vacations, more energy, more bullets, more bombs. It will only come through knowing more about our Heavenly Father and His one and only Son, Jesus. Let's look at Luke chapter 12 as we wrap it up with these verses. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, 27 through 34. Jesus speaking, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. This is my favorite time of year right now. March is my favorite month. I just love March. All the blossoms coming out. Things are blooming, green colors. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have any anxious mind. Now again, Jesus is not negating earthly responsibilities in any way, so don't, don't even go there. You've got to read all the scriptures. Jesus is making a point, a particular point at that particular time to a particular group of people. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. So what does Jesus say in verse 31? But seek the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, heavenly kingdom, not earthly kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. And guys, verse 34 is the key. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is your treasure in the Second Amendment? I like the Second Amendment. But if your treasure in the Second Amendment, you're going to be stockpiling guns and ammunition 
and you've already got it in your head. Somebody come knocking on my door, I'm going to blow them away because they ain't taking my guns. Uh, You won't find those scriptures in the Bible. You've elevated the Constitution above the Word of God. That's where your treasure is. Oh, your treasure's in your 401k? Whew, good luck. You're going to be sharing that baby with everybody real quick. Equity. Do, do, a, do a study. The key word, the, the buzzword now is equity. Forget equality. Forget equality. Equity. Equity. We're all going to be equitable together. We're going to bring those up that are lower and those who are higher coming down. Kiss your pension goodbye, your 401k, possibly even your social security. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is your, is your treasure, in, is, is your heart in heaven? Then that's where you're going to be investing. If not, you're going to be sadly disappointed. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, was confirmed in you. Those two words were confirmed, and I'm not a Greek scholar. You guys can figure this out yourselves. It means to make firm, establish, to make stable. Even the testimony of Christ, of Jesus, was confirmed in you. By going to the word of God, guys, as we should be doing from day in and day out, from Genesis, you young people, you college people, please go to the word of God. Please go to the word of God on a regular basis, from Genesis to Revelation. We're living in a cancer, a cancer, a cancel culture that is like a cancer. It's spreading. And nobody's going to stop it except the word of God. The word of God will give you peace when they take everything away from you. And don't think it can't happen. It's already happening. Wake up. Don't think it can't happen to you. If you take a stand for Jesus, marriage between one male and one female, right there is enough to get you canceled, to get you fired, to get you removed from social media if you make that statement. But if you don't make it, who's going to hear the truth? So guys, we can't run out of fear of being canceled. We can't hide out of fear of being canceled. We got to go to the battle. We can't wait for it to come knock on our door. Guys, we got to go to the battle. Satan's already got us entrenched in the schools and the young people. Potato head? Can you guys believe this? But that's our culture. That's why we have the church. Bring yourself on Wednesday nights. Bring your children. Bring your junior hires, your high schoolers, college people. Come out. It's going to be the most important class of the week for you. Building up your faith in the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you and praise you for these days we're living in. Your son is coming back for his church. It's not my church. It's not our church. It's your son's church. But Father, we do have earthly responsibilities and we want to be responsible. So help us to continue to do our part, whatever that may look like. You've given to every single Christian, every Bible-believing Christian, a gift, a spiritual gift. And I know you desire them to use it. So help them, Lord, to figure out what that gift is and help them to figure out how to use it for the edifying of the body of Christ. Not for their own edification, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Father, we thank you for this church at Corinth. Unfortunately, 
So many churches are right there today. I thank you for a body that's not there. We believe in the word. We try to do our best. We're not perfect. We still make mistakes. But yet we want to be more like your son. And that's through the Holy Spirit. It's not through us having a pep talk. That's through the Holy Spirit. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning that's struggling, Lord, we just want to surrender our lives afresh and anew to you and ask for more of your Holy Spirit to fill us afresh. As your word says in 1 John 1, 9, which we already read, just, just to confess, if, if, if I confess, you forgive. Father, help us to forgive, confess even right now at this very moment in the privacy of our own heart. And get right with you in these serious days where potatoes are gender neutral. Crazy. So Father, give us wisdom. Give us discernment for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.